It is almost time for the weekend, but it can never officially start until we have another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. And today, I, it's good to be with you again on this Friday. But today, we are continuing kind of in our character quality focus of 2015. We're going to talk about the issue of responsibility. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, in just a moment, but first, Adam, why don't you hit us up with our quote of the day? A person who will not take care of the little things will not take care of the big things, for the big things are but an accumulation of little things. That is from Mr. Jack Hiles. And this is a man that I don't really know much about, but I really liked this quote when I was looking for one for today's show. And I just think there's a lot of truth here. You know, we, we always talk about wanting more responsibilities, but are we being faithful with the responsibilities that we have been given? And today, even more so, I want to develop the idea of what responsibility looks like. And the reason this came up for me was because in, in recent weeks and months, there's been a lot on the internet about the Duggars and how, for those who don't know, they have a popular TV show called 19 and Counting about their 19 kids and how they do everything because apparently it's such an anomaly to see a big family doing things that they get a TV show, (laughs) which I'm sure in some ways they still don't quite understand because they just feel like they're living their life. Right. But they get a lot of flack and, you know, a lot of times um, their people accuse them of repressing their children, making them work too hard, making them be surrogate moms and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, You know, from my perspective, it seems like they're just teaching them to be responsible adults. And perhaps we've dropped the ball as a society, even within the church, when it comes to teaching our kids responsibility. And so we're going to talk about what responsibility means. And since the word responsibility doesn't really uh, feature prominently in the word of God, we're going to use it in the context of work because the Bible does say a lot of things about work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first point I want to make about work, oh, oh, another thing before I go on, is we have this relatively modern phenomenon that we refer back to over and over again called the teenager. I say relatively modern because some people think that it's always been that way, but The term teenager actually came up in a 1940s edition of the Reader's Digest. And this, this, among other things, was highlighted in a book called Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris, who are the brothers of Josh Harris of I Kiss Dating Goodbye fame. And we'll put a link in the show notes for this book, Do Hard Things, which I do recommend. And as we go into this, um, we're going to talk about what God has to say about work, like I said, because it's a good tie-in to responsibility. And Adam, could you read that first point there? What does the Bible say God says about work? Yes, this comes from Colossians 3.23. It says, Do it for the Lord, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. Okay, so the first point that I wanted to highlight today is do it for the Lord. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord, not men and that's just such a key thing that when we're out and about doing things or when we're doing things at home we should do them um to please the lord because he has given us life he has given us a purpose 
and even the opportunity to work for him is a blessing and so we should do things unto the lord um and also much like as a little kid especially i wanted to please my father and there's still a desire in, in my self to please my earthly father because he's given me so much in the same way we should endeavor to please our heavenly father and even more so so that's what i wanted to say about that and then the second point is even a child could work um proverbs 20 11 says even a child is known by his doings whether his work be pure and whether it be right so the Bible isn't giving children a pass from doing work. <laughs> Obviously, it has to be age-appropriate, and it shouldn't be overly burdensome. But a child should learn a work ethic from the time they are a child. Um, my parents always tended to pay us for tasks rather than paying us a fixed allowance because they wanted us to learn the value of hard work. They wanted us to know what it was like to save up for things if we really wanted them and not to just rely on them to give us things that we want. And you can really see kind of the mentality of that because there's a whole generation of give-me-adults uh, walking around today that feel the world owes them a living, and I think it came from the fact that they had parents that didn't know how to say no to them or to teach them delayed gratification. Um, and just as it, as it relates to what I was talking about earlier with the Duggars, um, they do have a lot of responsibilities and some for their siblings. Mm -hmm. But when you if you watch the show or if you read things that they write, it's not about their parents abdicating their responsibility. If you watch, the parents are actively involved in what's going on in their family. But it gives the children an opportunity um, to gain more responsibility and to get more deep relationships with their siblings. So I think overall, it's a good thing. And... Um, Adam, before we move on to the next point, do you have any thoughts on these first couple points? I do. You know, I, I like that verse. I honestly actually have that at my own workstation here at the radio station, that verse where it says, whenever you do work heartily for the Lord and not unto men. Sometimes it seems like we can get so many worldly standards where if, if you're not doing as much as this person or doing as well as this person or, you know, all these things come into your mind. Sometimes it's like that's what we start to turn our vision towards and our goals, and that's just for building up ourselves in the world and as men. But when we do it for the Lord, that can actually help bring joy in all situations. That could be if you're in a place right now that you don't you don't want to be or if you're doing a job that you're like, all right, I have to do this. Instead, it can be, okay, I'm not super excited, but if it's for the Lord, it's, it's for something good. So I think when we can switch that vision – and I need that, that reminder sometimes, too, of you know just doing it for God. It's always fulfilling. And that kind of leads into the next thing, because the next point I have here is prepare for the future. Proverbs twenty four twenty seven says, Prepare thy work without, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. We kind of have this mentality in our, in our culture that says, when you're 17, you're a kid, and you wake up on your 18th birthday, and somehow you're an adult <laughs> with all these adult responsibilities rather than this idea that you should be gradually easing into adult responsibilities as you go through your teen years. When I was 13, my dad sat me down and said, today you become a man. You need to start acting like it. Did that mean that as an eighth grader, I was ready to go build a house and start a family? No, absolutely not. 
But what it did mean was that he was holding me to a higher standard than simply saying, oh, you're a teenager, you're going to sow wild oats, just go do your thing. And I think so many times we allow people uh, to use their teenage years as an excuse rather than an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You really need to to use your teenage years as an opportunity. And I don't want to embarrass you, Adam, but I really see you as an example of this because you would not, if you were, and I don't want to be too stereotypical either because everybody's different, but if you were what a lot of people see as the typical teenager who sits around playing video games and, you know, having fun with their friends and doesn't really even want to do basic chores, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to get into radio at 18 years old and to work your way up to the point where you are now um, at only 24. So those opportunities came available to you because your parents instilled in you a work ethic Then when you were given an opportunity, you took it and took full advantage of it. And so I think that's an important thing that needs to be um, brought out. And then we talked earlier about how teenager kind of was a concept that came up in the Reader's Digest in the 1940s. Uh, This verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. And so it talks about going from childhood to manhood without this in-between stage. You know, we kind of have this idea in today's culture that we have an in-between stage where we can just kind of float in limbo and we don't have to be an adult and we don't have to be a little kid either. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that in Scripture. I see children becoming adults. And I think we need to focus a little bit more on that as we go through life. And I think um, that... We need to look to examples where this is happening. You know, we're going to look at an example in a few minutes um, from history that's kind of at the extreme end of this. But I hope that as we do, we will see that there is room between the extremes to find a balance between continual maturity and still enjoying your childhood. You know, I enjoyed my childhood despite the fact that my parents challenged me, especially my dad challenged me to be a man. And he actually helped me to avoid a lot of problems by issuing that challenge. So I'm just throwing that out there. You might not feel that right now if you have one of the parents um, like I do. There was a like a poem or a, a little article floating around Facebook a while back that just said, thank you for being a mean mom. You know? <laughs> and it listed all the ways that your mom is mean and ultimately... They were all to build your character. Yeah. I shared it because I'm thankful to have one of those mean moms. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I mean, and that's something that you can only gain through looking back. You don't necessarily feel it in the moment. Do you have any thoughts on these these uh, last few things, Adam? Oh, that's so true about the, the mean mom comment. Not saying in real life my mom's not yeah. one, but in the sense of you look back and you're like, Oh, I totally get what my parents were saying. Or, oh, I totally get, you know, why God didn't allow this door to open because it would have brought me down more childish things. Instead, it was he brought me this way, and that was good through parents, through guidance of adults. And it is funny as you get older and God starts to give you that maturity more to realize, like, okay, it it all makes sense. They, They weren't really being mean. They were actually being loving in a way because they were looking out for me trying to do the right thing. Of course, at the, the, the teen scene. 
a lot of times it's it doesn't seem that way, but as you get older, it does. And then uh, as we continue, we see Paul's admonition to Timothy, which says, don't let anyone look down on you. And this is what Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. First Timothy 4.12. And that's what I really see um, from the Duggars. I see them as being an example of living the Christian faith, of keeping their high standards, even though the world and even sometimes the church would give them an out. They, you know, I, I get sick and tired of people saying that, that they want children um, because they just want their kids to, and they just want to be and want their kids to be breeding machines. No, they want children because children are a blessing. They realize that children are a blessing. They're not a commodity to be scheduled when we feel like it. Mm -hmm. And God knows what he's doing. Uh, I can't, I stress this enough. I have, I'm the oldest of 12 siblings, 11 are living. And um, they, my 10 younger siblings have all been a blessing to me. They've all helped me to become who I've become and helped me to accomplish what I accomplished. If even one of them wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And so when people start talking bad about big families or thinking that people should wait to have kids or whatever. I always find it funny that these people say, well, they should wait. They should just enjoy being married. But at the same time, there's shows like Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2 that have these people on there that have three or four kids out of wedlock before they're even adults mm -hmm. sometimes. And people don't bat an eye about it. And even in my time in the in the pro-life movement and yeah, right to life. I know that they wanted to love life and support people, but it almost it sometimes felt like they were making it okay to have a child out of wedlock. And, but somehow we've tricked it into our heads that people that are happily married under God committed for life should wait an indeterminate amount of time before they accept the burden of children instead of accepting it as a blessing from God and realizing that he's the best family planner out there. Mm -hmm. I know that's a mini rant and I, but, and I want to apologize, but at the same time I don't apologize because I believe firmly what I just said. And so as I roll off my soapbox, I hope that you will <laughs> uh, really take to heart what I've said and think about it and pray about it for yourself. It's not my responsibility to make you do something, but I am very burdened about this issue and I will continue to speak out for it because it's important to me. And so I just wanted to bring that out. And then, as I said, we have an example of history, in history, of John Quincy Adams, who, he was the first, he and his father, John Adams, were the first father-son tandem to become president. I believe John Quincy was number seven. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that was the number. But anyway, by the time he was 14, he was working in other countries on diplomatic work on behalf of the country of the United States of America. Wow. By the time he was 14. That's amazing. And I'm not saying that we should send our 14-year-olds to other, to other countries doing diplomatic work. But surely there is some middle ground between 14-year-olds 
who do diplomatic work and 14 year olds who sit and watch Netflix or watch, or play video games and don't do a lot of contributing to society. It doesn't mean get a full-time job. It doesn't even mean get a paying job. But if you have skills, if you have desires, if you have passions, work to develop them. And don't let anybody say that because you're 13, 14 years old, you don't have anything to contribute. You can be an example to those older than you. You can take to heart the truth of the scriptures. You can spend time in prayer. You can ask God what he wants to do in your future. And by, you know, by, by beginning to prepare at 13 and 14, then by the time you're 18, God may put you in a place where he, where he has a long-term plan for you. Mm-hmm. And I have two brothers that have gotten married at 19 years old. Again, I'm not necessarily saying everybody should run out and get married at 19. But they were ready because they had a plan for their life. They were seeking God. They were trusting God. And they followed the plan. And they didn't let people look down on them and say, well, you're just young. You know, it's, it's, almost, it's, just, it's just so discouraging sometimes when people criticize young people they want to get married and start a life and start families when what would you rather they do? Would you rather they do that or would you rather they be unstable and out, uh, you know, causing shenanigans all over the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. I know which one I would rather see. Right. So I think that we need to have a balanced perspective in our lives, in our families, and I just want to encourage you. And then just to think about some examples from the Bible. Josiah, well, I believe, was seven years old when he became the king of Israel. Um, that's not very old. but And he had advisors, no doubt. But he was king of Israel at seven years old. <laughs> then you had Jeremiah. We're not sure how old he was. He was probably a young teenager. When God came to him and said, you're going to be a prophet to my people. And he said, Lord, I'm only a child. And God said, say not, I am a child. Instead, go to the people, and I will tell you what to say, and I will be with you. He didn't let Jeremiah make excuses, and he doesn't want us to make excuses either. And then David, we're not sure how young he was, but if you read in, I believe in the Old Testament, um, in the law, it basically says that any man... 18 or older, might be 20 or older, I forget, but fairly young men, they were required to do a certain amount of service in the military of Israel. That was a requirement, unless um, uh, certain exceptions, but for the most part, if you were healthy, if you were able to fight, you were called to be a part of their army. Mm-hmm. And so we know that David was young because he wasn't out in the army. He was keeping his father's sheep and Shortly after he's anointed king, which was a surprise to everybody because his brothers were bigger and stronger. He goes to the battle and his brother accuses him of just going to the battle to look at the battle and have fun. And David goes and fights Goliath and defeats Goliath. And the children of Israel claim victory. So all that to say, David was probably 16 or 17 years old because he wasn't considered adult enough to be an active part of the military. So he was a young man. Then we have Samuel, 
was dedicated to the Lord from his birth because his mom couldn't have any children and she asked the Lord to give her a son. And she said, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And she brought him back to the temple after he was weaned, which probably means like three or four years old, and left him there and visited him once a year to bring him a new jacket, but basically didn't see him other than that. She had four other children, but she gave up her son for the service of the tabernacle, and he later became a great priest. But the first time God talks to him, he was a young man. We don't know how young, but he was fairly young. And he said, Samuel, I wanted, you know, and basically wanted to tell him. And at first, Samuel thought it was Eli, but after the third or fourth time, Eli realizes this is God talking. So he says, when God talks to you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then God will tell you what he wants to tell you. Mm -hmm. And of course, then Samuel was given a message to give to Eli, which left him shaking in his boots. He didn't want to tell Eli the truth because it wasn't very good for Eli's family. But Samuel was faithful to it. And at the end of Samuel's life, he said, I have taken nothing from you. I've been honest with you. And I just want to make sure that you feel the same way. And they said, yes, you've been honest with us. So he lived a life of integrity. But it started when he was a young boy, no doubt with his mom telling him that you came from the Lord and, and God has a special thing, special things for you to do. Adam, before we close out the show, do you have any thoughts on these last couple points? Um, I, I do kind of on the aspect of if let's say you're a teenager listening right now or moms and dads, if you have a teen listening, just. Take a moment even if you're talking about life one day or something just to say, where do you feel like God's leading you? Like, have you have you prayed about that? Have you have you gotten up and just kind of jumped into your faith a little bit and just ask God, like, where do you want me? Because so many times, too, it, it can be tough as a teen. You might, be, you might be searching. You might be looking. And sometimes it can be so overwhelming. You just say, oh, I'm just kind of done. And you just kind of sit in your beanbag chair and call it good. But just asking for God's guidance and being open to where he wants to take you just talking about that even can open up doors to do some great things. All right. Well, we are grateful that you chose to listen to this podcast on this Friday. We hope to continue to bring you great content in the weeks to come. Um, but until next time, we urge you to have a great weekend and to keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.